everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 262. In this episode, we talk about saving time with HubSpot save sections, splitting deals, workflow property clearing, and some Facebook fallout. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your service, sales, marketing, and now operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really well, and it's inbound this week. So as listeners listen to this, we're recording on Monday, but it comes out on Friday. So inbound will be over by the time they hear this. I'm wondering what people find, um, how they find it. Yeah. So, you know, people talk about inbound and what have they put on the site this year, Craig? They say inbound 2021 is a fully immersive online experience that gives you access to transformative business trends, proactive conversations, and key actionable takeaways that future you will appreciate. Connect with leaders across industries and spark the catalyst that awaits you. Sessions were built with remote work in mind, so you can learn from anywhere with audio sessions, meetups, and on-demand content. Hear from Oprah, Spike Lee, David Chang, and more. Now, there's so much buzzword bingo in there, Craig. I think they might be talking it up just a little bit, but look, not that I want to make fun of this. I mean, good on them for, you know, it looks like a pretty good event. But if you, dear listener, have did attend, I'd love to know what you were most interested in. And if you didn't, I'd love to know why you didn't attend. I'm intrigued as to what people's general trend is with online events. And I'm actually wondering whether the whole online event format is you know, it's had its run. If people are fatigued, they've just had enough of it. Because, and I don't want to be able to critic, but I'm I genuinely asking this question, why would you not just get a premium YouTube subscription? That's what I do. I watch so much stuff on YouTube these days. I couldn't if the ads were there. I hate the ads. So I, I pay the it's tiny amount, 10 or 12 bucks a month, ad-free. I watch so much YouTube. They have the best speakers, world-class. It's personalized for what I want. I can get all the topics I want. I'm like, why would I attend an event? And I'm genuinely asking listeners, why do you attend? What do you get from it that you wouldn't get in other channels? What's your take on it, Ian? My take is, I don't mind it, Craig, but I think there's definitely fatigue. And the last one I attended was live. So you, there was interactivity. What was interesting is as the sessions were going on, they had code. So you could, it was kind of like you put the code into the app and you get points for doing that as you were as you were there. So that, was, that kind of kept a bit of momentum happening. But I think because it was live, people were talking, you felt that there was some sort of interaction taking place and they were looking at comments and responding. So it was, it was good in that perspective, a bit different to obviously just passively watching something. But I think when you, if you've got some interactivity taking place, it definitely can work, but it can be very fatiguing. I definitely agree with that, especially when you're thinking about two or three days here, for sure. I think that's a good point about the interactivity. And I guess that's all in the chat windows and things like that. It does keep it going. I think there's also a learning style preference. Some people like myself, I guess I much prefer to just learn at my own pace, stop here, speed this kind of stuff up. I do watch a lot of stuff at higher speeds and I find some that are slower, quite infuriating to watch. So maybe that's just my preference. And so a live event to me is, I find very constrictive, but for me, but I do get that interactive element and I guess inbound, they do do that well. A lot of events do do that well. 
Anyway, listeners, really interested in your feedback and how you found. So please hit reply if you get the show notes or leave us a comment if you happen to listen to this on YouTube or any of our other channels. All right. Now on to our quick shots of the week, Craig. And here are a few things that we have noticed. It might be of concern to people. Is the email association in the Outlook desktop add-in. That's being one, which is which we've been enjoying on uh, Google on Gmail for a while now, but it's finally out on Outlook. And the next parts are smart sections for landing pages and website pages, which we've talked about a lot over the time. And listeners, if you're thinking about what is smart and... This is to do with the ability to have a section show up. For example, if someone belongs to a particular list, being one of them, the other thing might be based on device type or maybe even the country that they're coming from. And the next one is save sections on landing and website pages. And so that's where you can save yourself some time. Marketing events are now in the marketing calendar and more and more, Craig, we're tending to find that people are using this or we're driving people to use this as a way so that they know what is going on in a campaign and they know what's happening in that marketing event. And lastly is HubSpot makes it into the Gartner's leading quadrant for marketing automation. Yep. They're uh, certainly climbing up in there. They've done really well. All right, so talking about saving time, what's the HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig? Well, yeah, just flowing on from what you're talking about there, saved sections, and this is in emails or, or pages, the, basically the drag and drop builder. It's really nice, and we actually had this scenario with a client earlier in the week where they were building very specific ways that an email included information. So it was actually an internal email notification, and it had a few contact. Uh, details and it had to be put in a special format for and I'm not kidding and because that email got forwarded to another system that used to parse the email to extract details out of it it's some legacy system I won't go into that you know a lot of corporates have these old legacy systems but what they found in HubSpot it had to have a very particular format and then it had to have a little divider at the end and that was a you know so this other system so They wanted to make it so that whenever someone built these internal notifications, they made it consistent so it wouldn't break this other third-party system. So there you go, save section to the rescue. They can just pull it onto any of their emails, that save section, and they'll know it works. So even legacy systems, there's a a scenario I didn't think I'd ever talk about on HubShots, but yeah, having save sections to support legacy systems. But that's just one of many. Save sections just save time. They allow you to set layouts and then drag it on and it includes it all. Great time saver. And the drag and drop experience is really good in HubSpot now. It's taken them a few years to catch up, I feel, to be fair, compared to some other tools that have been in the market longer. But their drag and drop builder really is fantastic now. These little enhancements, great time savers. Exactly. And especially if you're using things on pages, for example, if you're on CRM starter suite or you've got uh, CMS, it's a great way if you've got sections that you use across the site, like testimonials, for example, it's a great place to save those sections and reuse them on the pages as necessary in the system, saving you lots of time. Talking about saving time, here's about our sales feature, which is the HubSpot deal splits. And listeners, this is if you have sales hub enterprise you will see this as it's rolling out by the way uh have you noticed how many of these new features rolling out lately require enterprise tiers on their portal they're really pushing uh, the latest releases into enterprise so you know we have enterprise for our agency um across 
the three main portals. And yeah, we, we get this, but a lot of our clients don't. And I'm like, oh, wow, there's so much good stuff. But deal splits is really good. Uh, some of our clients have sales enterprise. And this is a really good enhancement. What it means is that a deal can split up attribution or credit rather, not attribution, credit to a number of owners. So you could have three people on the sales team that worked on it. You can apportion it. You can do it evenly or, and if you look at the show notes, we've got screenshots here of an example. You can actually individually tailor the percentages to each person on the deal uh, if it's not even. And that flows through to sales reports and their reporting dashboard. So really nice. That's live. I think it's uh, it's rolling out certainly live. It's out of beta and a very good enhancement to the product. That's right. They've actually done it really well, Craig. It's like just even saving the time with how you want to split it evenly or by percentages and just the automated, uh, although automatic filling it out when we're talking about even percentages of working out that 100% when you're doing things. So it's mm. done very well. All right. On to our service feature of the week, Craig, and knowledge-based XML sitemaps. Now, people are probably thinking, this is getting way over my head. And why do I want this XML sitemap or why should I even care about it? The reason is, is that Google's actually looking for this to help crawl the content on your, in this case, uh, knowledge base. So that's why it's important. So you can tell it what to crawl, what not to crawl, etc. And and finally, we've seen this and we want to highlight it to you because this is obviously in, this is in the settings HubSpot have just made it really easy to manage that, haven't they, Craig? Because sometimes when you look at, read the Google instructions on how to manage this stuff, it can seem like I'm looking at a bunch of code, but HubSpot have just made this nice and simple. They've done a really good job. And the knowledge base XML sitemap is just like any other sitemap. So I think a number of our listeners would be, oh, yeah, I've got XML sitemaps for my website, but it's easy to overlook, oh, actually, I've got it for my knowledge base. I should add that. And further, I should actually add a Google Search Console profile for my knowledge base site as well. Or you might have a domain uh, profile for a Google Search Console account, in which case you could add it there. But yeah, most Google Search Console profile setup, go and get it the sitemap, add it there. We've got screenshots in the show notes that talk you how to get the sitemap from settings, just the same way as you would for any of your website pieces, and then go into Google Search Console and add it as a sitemap. So an excellent hint to Google on which URLs to crawl through your site. All right, onto our HubSpot workflow action of the week. This is about the HubSpot clear property action. And it's probably one of the less used property actions but it's actually pretty crucial, isn't it, Craig, when we're trying to set or clear, uh, when I say set or change properties. That's right. And I'm going to use the most common example for this, which is setting the HubSpot lifecycle stage. Very important field. You might have workflows that change a, a contacts lifecycle stage from perhaps MQL to SQL, sales qualified lead, something like that. Now, if you set that property value using the set property value action, what you might not know, and this is a gotcha that gets some people, you can't actually set the lifecycle stage back. So in that example, I said, maybe you want to update it to sales qual- marketing qualified lead. Now, if they're already a sales qualified lead further down the journey, using the set property action won't actually work. HubSpot will ignore it. That's because they have a rule that you can't actually set it backwards. Instead, what you need to do is clear that property out first. So in a workflow, you'd actually 
use this action that we're talking about in this episode, the clear property action, you'd clear the lifecycle stage and then you would use the set property value action. So a little bit of a gotcha. And if you've been caught by this before, then you'll totally understand what I'm talking about and how valuable this clear property value action is. Uh, If you've got no idea what I'm talking about, that's fine. Just check out the show notes and explains it further. But clear property action, very important for these key little pieces. And lifecycle stage, for example, very important overall in your marketing efforts and for driving further engagement. Now, listeners, another example might be in this scenario is I'll give you an example of a customer that is doing a follow-up email. So, this is automatically triggered. They're doing a follow-up and on the form, they actually ask, when do you want to be contacted? Just to get an indication of their timeline, right? So, they have a they have a thing. And so, people choose, you know, I think one week, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and 12 weeks. I think that's the option. What you might want to do here is actually once that uh, time has lapsed or, and you could create a call action for the sales team, but you might actually want to use this clear property to clear that value out of that so that Dutchie doesn't remain in there. And that's a really good way to think about it is things that might be temporary that are used in certain reports or are used to trigger certain things and might want to be cleared out of the system once that action's been taken place. All right, on to our marketing tip of the week. Now, Craig... This has been the bane of my existence for the last week or two, cleansing data before sending emails. And why we want to highlight this is because it's so easy to get caught out with getting stopped or getting quarantined. And that's the place you don't want to be where you get quarantined. So understanding your data, making sure it's clean is a really key aspect to making sure that you get the best out of your email sends. So the first thing I want to highlight is make sure you're using something like Neverbounce to validate your emails, right? Very important, very cost effective, especially if you've not communicated with those emails for a while. Now, in certain scenarios, I I tend to find when we're talking B2B, if you're talking about generally, let's say government agencies, generally what will happen is if that person has left, they've got either a forward or there's automatic reply saying you need to contact so-and-so and and it's been forwarded on. In most occasions, you'll find it it's a hard bounce because that user doesn't exist. And with B2C, you'll find a lot of those people generally have, you know, their mailbox is full. They've either changed their email, et cetera. So it's really super important. Now, why is this? Because I had a little situation in the in the previous week when email send got stopped. And you don't, it's not something you want to see a bright red line across your email saying that uh, your email send has stopped because of the bounce rate being high. Now, Google tell, when I say Google, I mean HubSpot tells you what to do to remediate this action. Essentially, what we had to do, even though we actually did the never bounce clean, we had to end up going and start to split the list down even further. So you'll see in my screenshot, you know, we've gone to the engaged contacts. Actually, HubSpot created that one. It's called one with engaged contacts. They said, do you want to send it? But I actually decided not to. Then I started doing, okay, I'm going to start looking at actions on, from the data we had. So these customers were running webinars. We'd actually, we knew who had attended previous webinars. So there were a relatively high chance of getting through. Then we looked at all the different segments of that. So it was a, quite a few lists we created to make this happen. But in the end, we've got through that and then we were able to send a good one, you'll see at the top of the list, which was pretty much all the validated contacts that went through. 
it was a big ordeal. And so I just wanted to tell listeners, do your due diligence beforehand to save yourself all the work and hard effort later. I just want to add to this because there's two things. There's one, using Neverbounce and these tools, but then there's two, splitting up your list. Because we've had this before. We had a client. We did all the Neverbounce stuff. We cleansed the. We did everything we could and then we sent it out and there was a really high bounce rate and the whole portal got uh, quarantined. So worse than your your warning signal, which is just, hang on, there's something not right. Ours was quarantined. We spent weeks trying to get that back. In the end, we actually ditched the entire HubSpot portal and created a new HubSpot portal. I kid you not. And we imported, we reset up their whole portal with another portal to get around. It was so frustrating. And then just last week, we had a corporate client. It's like that was a year or two, the one I was talking about before. We had a corporate client. It was a product registration database. So these are real people, right? Not, yep. not, not a list bought. So it was just from another system. Brought it in. Admittedly, it was about a year or so old. We did the never bounce, send it out, had a 5% bounce rate. So really yep. high, but we'd split it. So only small segments going out. So we weren't quarantined or anything, but pretty sure if we'd sent it to the whole list of that, we might have actually been in, in a bit of hot water. So really good point there, Ian. Do the never bounce, but send out in small batches with a list that you're not fully across yet or haven't sent to for a little while. I think that's the key thing. So now, Craig, talking about quarantine, this happened to us as well <laughs> and how I ended up solving it or going through a very manual process. We ended up connecting a shared inbox into HubSpot and then I created a template that I was, which one of our teams sent out to all the people on that quarantine list, basically saying, just if you get this email, just we're checking, can you please reply? When they replied, it took them out of the quarantine but it was a manual process of hundred hundreds of emails to do that to clear this list out. Yeah. And that's the only other solution that we found in trying to get out of this situation. So You're right. We actually went down that path, but there were yeah. thousands in this list. That's exactly and right. We were just like, ah, oh, yeah, it was game over. <laughs> Lesson learned. That's right. And so listeners, don't get into the pickle that we've gotten into. Do the right thing, spend a bit of time at the start and make sure that you have a well-segmented, clean database when you're sending your emails. All right, on to our Inside of the Week, Craig, Facebook and cigarettes. Do you remember more than two years ago, this is actually back at the start of 2019, we had an episode 151 where we talked about Facebook and cigarettes. We drew yes, this I, comparison I to is Facebook a harmful place? We actually likened it to cigarettes in the sense of it's addictive and, you know, bad for you. And we said, should you advertise on cigarette packets, i.e., should you advertise on Facebook? Now, at the time, we didn't push strongly and our call to action or our takeaway was be thoughtful about your marketing. Because at the time, there was lots of pushback against some YouTube channels and also ads appearing on uh, odd, you know, sites. What's interesting, fast forward to this past week and we've had the whistleblower, uh, Francis Haugen's testimony about the harm that Facebook has knowingly been allowing to continue in the name of profit and the impact this is having on society and children and it's really come to the fore and to the point where uh, Facebook is out actually saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to pause some things just to check reputational reviews, right? So something is happening. Follow on from that, Scott Galloway's recent post where he, I think it's called Carcinogens, where he actually 
really rams home the, the Facebook is cigarettes and the problems with it. But he actually dives deeper into not just specifically Facebook, but more generally programmatic digital advertising. And he eviscerates it and breaks it down with a lot of useful stats and insights. I think this is recommended reading. And why we've put it in the Insight of the Week is because this is time to be thoughtful again. There's a chance that what's happening with Facebook, you might actually start getting pushback, depending on the industry you're in. If you're advertising there, well, people saying, oh, I saw this brand advertising on Facebook. Is that a bad thing? So it sounds a bit far-fetched that I'd actually go that far, but just be mindful of this. Something is happening in the industry. Something is turning. People are starting to pile on on uh, Facebook in some ways misguided. You know, there's like um, people are really looking into Facebook's impact on kids, right? And it's like, well, hang on, shouldn't they be looking at TikTok? That's where all the kids are now, right? So there is some weirdness even in the way people are approaching it. But the point is, it's time to consider that. The other thing about it is not only the harm it's having, but whether it's actually effective. And as Scott Galloway's post points out, a lot of the digital programmatic advertising almost has no actual value. So we, I'll cut to the chase, we're actually considering turning off some digital advertising channels for a month with some of our bigger clients just to check if there's impact. Very scary to consider that, but won't it be scarier if we find that there's actually no impact from turning it off? Anyway, insight of the week for you. Interested in readers' thoughts. All right, on to our HubShots throwback of the week. And this time a year ago at... uh it would be at inbound. There were lots of new things, but one of the big things that we introduced was marketing contacts, which allowed people to set contacts in their marketing database or in CRM, should I say, as marketing and non-marketing. So you could basically pay for what you used and keep everything else in there as well. Really good feature. I think that was a really nice feature that they rolled out. Very confusing though. We've still got clients that don't, don't understand it. And I actually think they've done a good job of explaining it, but it's still very confusing. And you know what was interesting, Craig and listeners, is that they tested that feature actually in Asia Pacific or in Australia specifically, I believe, to iron out the bugs before they rolled it out to everybody. So we were a part of that testing group. So it was rather interesting working through that process. And also in the show notes, there's, there'll be a link to the HubSpot What's New especially if you're listening to this after Inbound, it's a great place to go get all the updates of what's being released at Inbound. Now, Craig, I'm going to leave resource of the week for you to explain because this was, it was lovely, I have to say. I saw this on Twitter. It's a wonderful video, less than 40 seconds. Stop everything. Go and check it out. It's a goat and a monkey eating berries. And there's a little twist at the end. You'll love it. Just, yeah. Thank me later. All right. And our quote of the week. If you Find a path with no obstacles. It probably doesn't lead anywhere. And that's from Frank Howard Clark. Love it. All right. And then there is a why Web3 matters for your reading. And why does it matter, Craig? I'll read the post. And uh, it's from Andreessen Howitz. Uh, it's a good, it's, it's actually not uh, onerous reading and started out as a tweet thread. But uh, look, think tokens and creator control. And finally, we have some HubSpot coaching. If you're interested in accelerating your HubSpot with Craig and myself, then this might be just for you. And there's a link directly to it in the show notes. If you haven't signed up for the show notes, you should at hubshots.com. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you have a great week. Well, Craig, until next week. 
Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.